Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Schrader, uh, coming coming straight from the Beaverton Podcast Studios. Uh, so so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin Smith is in Swamp Scott. Oh, what a great Thanksgiving! Uh, I told you guys this over text, but uh, we I did a double Thanksgiving this year, uh, just just the in-house Thanksgiving with my wife. But then uh, yesterday we went to her folks and did an outdoor Thanksgiving. Um, because the weather was supposed to be better on Saturday. So we, you know, we pushed it back a couple of days and, uh, there was a little hailstorm hailed on us during our outdoor Thanksgiving. So mm. 2020, very 2020, you know, just keeps giving. Oy. Imagine, I mean, if that's better than whatever was happening before, it must've been a rough <laughs> weather weekend yeah. for you. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't provide the Dan weather update, but, uh, not great out in the swamp. Uh, Mike Samuelson is in Minneapolis. Yeah, we did the the old two person Thanksgiving this year. Very different vibe, I will say that. Um, a lot more flexibility in organizing things. A lot more, <laughs> a lot more control exercised by uh, by my immediate family, my wife and I, than our normal Thanksgiving. So you know, uh, gives and takes. Yeah, going around the table to do the things you're thankful for. It's very <laughs> takes, quick, real quick. Less time. Just a little yeah, table, quick, a little ping time. pong back and forth. And a lot of done. you told me that last week. Yeah. <laughs> Politics discussions, a lot less contentious. Yep. Yeah, yep. same thing. Yep. Are you, Mike, are you saying that uh, that your wife ran out of things that she was thankful for, and so she <laughs> she repeated things from last week? I'm talking about myself. <laughs> uh, ryan palmer's in portland yeah i gotta say i i did i really enjoyed this thanksgiving it was uh a lot less uh stressful it just it seemed real low-key so it was it was a nice i think it's nice a nice little reset uh it will make future thanksgivings uh i guess a lot more thankful because uh, it was nice to have a a low key Thanksgiving, but definitely missed the family, and um, it just uh, it was great. It was it was really really nice. Happy to be here. Hundred um, percent. Colin has an intro for us. I'm a little nervous. No idea what this is. He has not been sharing, uh, so he's just gonna take over the blind yep. intro. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm thankful. Uh, for some things in 2020, even though 2020 has been been rough. And one of the things I'm thankful for in 2020 is that this podcast has moved because of the events of the year from a soccer podcast to also a food and politics podcast. And we generally, you know, I'm not going to make a politics intro game, but it's Thanksgiving week. We're doing a food intro. So this is, we are going to draft. We're going to go around three times. And we're going to draft Thanksgiving foods, plain and simple. All right. And then it's always going to be contentious about what the differentiation between one food and another is. We're going to be extremely liberal on that. This is the politics tie in. We're going to be extremely liberal on that. So, uh, can we be progressive? I'd rather be progressive than liberal. (laughs) We can be progressive. Yeah. Anything is a Thanksgiving food. Um, if someone else drafted something and that's a component of something you want to draft, fine, draft your thing. You're good. Like, don't worry about 
someone else stepped on your toes, the only thing I would say is like, if someone also already has drafted stuffing, don't draft uh, another, uh, you know, my grandmother's stuffing. That's the same thing. Yeah. So beyond that, like, go for it. Draft something that is a a part of someone else's or was already kind of half mentioned or whatever. Got it. Uh, We're going to go youngest to oldest. That's right, baby. Uh, All right. I mean, I got to with the number one pick of the food draft. I got to pick my mom's stuffing. So Colin can't take it. That was going to be my first pick. That's true. (laughs) I'll be contacting you after this draft to to try to swing a trade because I got to have it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. This is a franchise. You build you build your table around the stuffing. Yeah, this is the LeBron James. Yep, understood. That's a great pick. That's a great pick. Um, with the second pick in the draft, um, oh, I'm screwed right now. Uh, I'm gonna take. Mm, I'm gonna take sweet potato. I'm gonna take the oh. sweet potato with the marshmallows on top. Mm. Not something I always loved. Honestly, I'm not that much of a sweet tooth, but now it's something that's very Thanksgiving associated for me. So I gotta have it. Real nostalgia pick. Like the yammed, you want the sweet, sweet potatoes. Yeah, so. they're like two sweet, sweet potatoes with marshmallow on mm-hmm. top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You putting like yeah. brown sugar in that thing? You just yeah, going like, all in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Candy. Candied yams, baby. Oof. Yes. All right. Exactly. Third third pick in the draft. I'm going to say fuck your rules and yes. fuck. Nice. Uh, pizza. Please take pizza. Fuck this. Like, <laughs> ha- have to be. Have to be. Uh, the rules you know. were specifically set up so that they couldn't be fucked with. <laughs> well, like, I can't. This is going to have to be so far out there. He's going to pick like watched, a, a power a power drill or something. If you if you know <laughs> if you know anything about money playing, uh, you would know that rules are uh, meant to be fucked. And I'm going to fuck these rules. And I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Thanksgiving themed sandwich as my number yes. one draft pick. Wow. Yes. Uh, with, I with, specifically wrote these rules so that you could pick a Thanksgiving themed sandwich, Palmer. Yeah. Well, with all of the fixins. So I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to go through the list of fixins. But if you imagine okay. it's on the Thanksgiving table, it goes on the sandwich. That's Ooh. my pick. Wow. That's lovely. It's a good pick. This will be debated for <laughs> no, years about the, the validity of this pick, but it's a good pick. Look, sometimes this is, I don't think it's anybody's favorite. It's never perfect because there's a lot. I I did my first uh my first time this year. I did this, and it's it's hard to get it right. There's a lot going on. There's timing. There's different parts of it that cook differently. But you know what? Sometimes you need to build a team not around the stars, but around uh maybe the offensive line. I think I, I know where this is going. I don't play fantasy football. <laughs> it's it's got to be turkey. I mean, oh, no. Thanksgiving nice. doesn't exist without turkey. It's nobody's favorite, but. None of this exists without turkey, so I'm taking turkey. It's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> give me that. Give me that dry shit. Mm-mm. Um. Oh, is this? Are we serpentining? Yeah, so serpentine I gotta go again. That. Run it back. Oh God, I did not think past this. Okay. <laughs> um. The, here's the thing that makes the turkey palatable: homemade cranberry sauce. That's what I thought you were taking. That's what I thought you were taking with the first pick. Get that jam out of here. Get that can. Come on. The homemade stuff is not even hard to make. Just make it homemade. Get a get a thing of ocean spray. The recipe's right on there. It's just sugar and water. Like so easy. Make it. Don't do that that fake stuff. Do the real thing. Well worth it. Such a uh, such a nice contrast to all the other flavors. The cranberry sauce really brings a brings a room together. Lot of, no, lot necessity of, on the Palmer's sandwich. 
Oh yeah, absolute yes. necessity yeah. on the Palmer oh, yeah. sandwich. There's well, there's so much umami and earthiness in this in this <laughs> meal. You gotta you gotta have a little citrus, a little tang, a little acid mm. to bring yeah. things around. You know, uh, like a true chef. Can't wait speaking, for our Netflix show. Speaking of umami, uh, what is our Netflix show called? It's just gonna be called Stuffing Sandwich Umami. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, speaking of umami, I am going to take. I love a good gravy. I love a good gravy. Oh, it's gotta no, be Palmer. Yes, you son of a bitch. Yes, good gravy is is really uh, such an important. If you have like a watery gravy, it kind of it can ruin a, a meal. Uh, if you got a good thick brown gravy, mm, give me that. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna take us to the dessert table, Mike. Mm. I can't believe it's taken seven picks for us to go there. I'm not going to go with the the traditional pick here um, because it's quite frankly not as good most times. What I we had last at uh, yesterday's Thanksgiving that was the best part of uh, uh, dessert was apple pie. Mm. Apple pie. Oh, apple pie and like a you know you're already doing the nostalgic dinner with all these things. Having apple pie at the end just sets it off. Obviously, got to have uh, the vanilla ice cream on it, but I was gonna say, are we talking ice cream, ice cream, or whipped cream, or both? Oh, uh, with apple pie for sure, it's ice cream. Any kind of fruit pie, I want, I want vanilla, like oh, vanilla. Man, I am not a fruit pie guy at all. Oh, oh. Love a peach. I'm pie. sorry for you. I'm sorry for you, mm. Mm. Mike. You're up. Great pick. Great pick. Um, all right, I'm gonna. You know, there's a lot of heavy things in the meal, and you need a little bit of lightness. You get a little bit of that with the cranberry sauce. Um, but I'm going to, you know, you got to eat your vegetables. We know Colin eats his vegetables. We saw evidence of it over the weekend. I mean, he was rewarded with dessert. Uh, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna pick um, some Brussels sprouts. Ooh. Yes. You can you, make you them up however you so like. Good. It really doesn't matter to me as long as they're cooked. And they have a nice, you know, you feel like maybe you're getting something a little bit healthy. It's a nice difference of color on your plate, especially next to the brown, brown stuffing. So it's good. A little international because they're, they're from Belgium. Yep. 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 Uh, and then for my final pick, I'm also going to the dessert table because I do have a sweet tooth. Not ashamed to say it. And uh, this is this is a new addition. This might be a one-time thing, but uh, my wife works at a restaurant and they had an extra coconut cream pie. And so we got that. And let me tell you, <laughs> it was delicious. It was excellent. You are like the third person to mention a coconut cream pie this weekend, and yeah, I've never I've had never, one. I've never had a coconut cream pie over Thanksgiving. Seems to be a theme right now. Uh, I'd love to try it. Can we talk about a coconut cream pie? Yeah, please, is by that, all means. Like the 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 main part of the pie is not like coconut um, textured, is it? It's like coconut milk or something that makes the there's the there was pudding. some shredded coconut in the cream. Uh, but it's mostly cream with the occasional shredded coconut. Just to let you know it's there. A little whipped cream on top. Then you get some, yeah. Nice butter crust. It was delicious. And again, and that, toasted coconut, toasted on toasted coconut on top of the whipped cream. Nope, nope. Just little bits of shredded mm-hmm. coconut within within the cream within the coconut cream. Okay, thank you. And again, a nice little diversity of uh, of flavor. I like also that this is on the table. And it's, it just feels it, a cream pie to me every time before it's cut. It just feels like if someone acts up here, I'm putting this in their face. Like that's uh, just, 
I said something very it's similar. In chat. I said, you know what else this pie would be good for other than eating? Putting people's faces. Yep. But <laughs> Hot be, apple pie, not probably, as good. To be fair, cream it's, pie. it's best for eating. <laughs> it's really a delight when someone puts it in your face. <laughs> that joke is also a threat when you're eating dinner with only one other person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. All right. Uh, I Honestly, I left this one late because I thought I could get it late. I feel like, uh, I don't know who the equivalent is, maybe like Bill Belichick or someone. I feel savvy in this draft. I'm taking beer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't drink beer. It's too, too heavy at my Thanksgiving. It just puts me to sleep immediately. I'm going yeah. straight for the liquor. Wow. <laughs> the liquor with <laughs> straight okay. liquor. I was going to okay. say some, I was going to say some wine, but God damn. 2 p.m. Midwestern Thanksgiving is what I'm used to, filled with football since 11, 11 a.m. And, you know, uh, usually Sprecher Amber uh, just throughout the day, just through until you yeah, fall asleep. Is this, a, is this a dinner time beer that you're talking about or like a hanging out all day football on in the background beer? I mean, my personal style is to start it from before. Once I start, if, if I'm going to be cooking in the run up, usually making the stuffing, uh, I'm starting it then. And then I'm yep. just going beer straight until that turkey puts me to sleep. You bring you bring your beer to the table. Oh yeah, half drunk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I okay. I had a, a Thanksgiving with Colin maybe 15 years ago in college. We were eating a lot more. We were drinking a lot more, and so mm-hmm. you know we've been we've been putting away the beers, and then we just ate a ton of food, and then we drank some more beers and watched football. And I think it was the most tired I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly what I want out of Thanksgiving. I don't remember that, but uh, there you go. I don't remember that. <laughs> I'm going to take, I know Dan took the whole turkey, but can I take parts of the turkey? Sure. F- fuck your rules. I want dark meat. Give me that dark meat. Yeah. I need the dark meat. Uh, that's obviously the best part of the turkey. There's never nearly enough. Everyone goes for the dark meat. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Give me that dark yep. meat. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, here's a wonderful thing about Thanksgiving weekend. It is officially the start of eggnog season. <laughs> such a, so I'm taking eggnog. Such a Midwestern pick. Oh my god. Oh god. My you want so we got our tree yesterday. We got our tree yesterday. Um and I was very excited to uh drink some eggnog. Decorate yeah. the tree, like make it like yeah. real Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my lovely wife texted Dan, being the eggnog expert that he is, what ty- what type of eggnog should I purchase? So we had they had a whole conversation about uh, the eggnog that you should purchase. Mainly, um, don't buy anything that says light on it. Indulge, which was. <laughs> Full fat. What's the which is yeah, which is exactly. great advice, and I wouldn't expect expect anything less from Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought I was out at the time. I'm not going to say where I was because Dan already made fun of me for this. But uh, I thought that my wife was going to stop and purchase said eggnog, given that she was asking questions about the eggnog, and uh, so I decided not to stop and get eggnog. Um, and I came home very excited to trim the tree, drink some eggnog, and I and I walk in and uh, I asked her where did where would where's the nog, and she said I thought you were buying it, and I was like, 
why were you asking all these questions? And then you didn't even ask me to go get it. You were out. She was going to get Nog. It just, it, it messed, it messed up the whole evening. I was so wow. excited for eggnog yesterday. She, crisis. What, thinking through this entire story again now, I'm pretty sure she was at Target for at least part of being out. And for sure they're selling eggnog at Target. Yeah, that's a. It's at Target. Maybe. It's, uh, just it's rough. Absolute shame. She didn't, she didn't grow up drinking the Nog though. So maybe she didn't that's feel true. comfortable purchasing it. That's true. That's, that's, well, a good, that's it's, yeah. It's, she didn't know. It's like uh, she would go up to the register and they'd look at her weird, like, yeah. Who, you, who this isn't for you? Who you yeah, buying sirens this for? go off. <laughs> She's got like a note from Dan that she puts on the counter with that yeah, dog. Yeah. I'm buying it for my grandfather. Officially, she's Midwestern. <laughs> she's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the first time that you uh, go to a liquor store, or you, I don't know, buy cigarettes or something that. You're just nervous. Yeah. You've yeah. never done it before. Oh, How does true. it go? That's true. Yeah. Dan, do you drink eggnog during the Thanksgiving meal? No, because it's too heavy. But I had I definitely had one early in the day. Um, and then one kind of as a nice. nightcap. A little and nightcap. Then, yeah. Yep. Nice. Beautiful. All right, that's it. That's the Thanksgiving draft. Mike took stuffing, Brussels sprouts, and coconut cream pie. I took sweet potatoes, apple pie, and beer. Ryan took sandwich gravy and dark meat turkey which really is just one thing uh, dan took turkey homemade cranberry sauce and eggnog there you go that's so good i feel like we need makes me want to do thanksgiving again we need to have cliff put in a disclaimer to tell people to skip ahead to like minute 19 if they don't want to hear you know <laughs> 19 minutes of of food talk mm. who doesn't that's what this podcast is now just accept it yeah yep. that's good uh excellent warm-up man puts us in a good mood um, let's, let's do emails, Michael. Let's do them. Uh, first email from Keevan. He says a small enjoyment I get while watching soccer is managers that have to slash get to wear full training kits from their club sponsors. I'm talking top hats. I think he means tops and hats, not a top hat, uh, <laughs> all the top way down to their hat. shoes. Although a top hat would be fantastic. Oh my God. Uh, he especially loves an, obscure brand uh he really enjoyed david moyes wearing some black umbro trainers this past week uh he also calls out new balance as he says quote clop in the all new balance was so swag and i just feel like man new balance is not a brand that i associate with, with swag. swag whatsoever yeah. but no but they're getting a little something. bit more swaggy i got a pair of new balance shoes that are pretty nice <laughs> okay, maybe we'll maybe we'll tweet those out. Maybe we'll tweet out a photo yeah. of former yeah, swaggy New Balance shoes. Uh, so Kevin's question is: What obscure brand uh, would you guys want if managing a top team that had slash got to wear that brand at all times? Basically, when Colin buys Tranmere, who are we gonna make sponsor Tranmere? Um, why is the answer Kappa Colin? Go. Because I'm wear I'm literally wearing Kappa pants right now. I didn't know this email was coming, but I'm wearing Kappa warm-up pants I right didn't now. know you were wearing Kappa pants either, but the answer is, it's always that Kappa. That is the answer. That the answer always, is has Kappa. been the answer since, yep. like, fourth grade, maybe? Yep. I feel yep. like yep. that's when that got hot. Um, are we, are, Colin, are you wearing the Kappa pants that have, like, the the sign all the way down the, no, the side of the... I, don't, I haven't seen those in a while. These have that, like, little a little strip of that, what you're thinking yeah. of. But that's just like on a butt pocket. It's just like a, that, mm. you know, three inch long version of that. Um, God, those are fresh. Yeah, but those are super dope. I had those yeah. in in like silver 
I had those in silver with a blue yeah. striped on the side. I mean, that was These I are, was living those late '90s, early 2000s. This um, is this is the correct answer. Yeah, that's the to me that's the correct answer. I mean, the backups that Dan listed here in the I'm just gonna read you a little uh, you know notes Please. here. Yeah. Diodora, Le Coq Sportif, which has a place in my heart for sure. Hummel, Joma, and I added Macron. Um, which is one that didn't exist in the early, didn't exist in our consciousness in that kind of era that I'm talking about, where a lot of these, you know, Diodora and stuff, we were all rocking. Mizuno, um, Mizuno. I, I would Zuno's even put, I would even put Puma in this. Honestly, I feel like Puma's not on the level of Nike and Adidas as far as like number of teams they sponsor, so it's a little bit more rare. Um, but and also definitely uh, will come in with some swaggy looks. Uh, but as far as Tranmere, yes, you're 100% correct. I'm going to Kappa and being like, you know, instead of you paying me, can I pay you? And just, I want the hottest Kappa stuff. Yep, yep. Just, That's you can do him. whatever you and want with our kits. You can take all your crazy ideas, throw them yeah, out there. I mean, I'm saying you can't do whatever See, you want. I want only the crazy ideas. I want the prototypes. I want the non, uh, whatever, template versions of Kappa. That's why I'm leaning towards Hummel here, though, because we know that they're doing that with Ford Madison FC. We know that they're mm. crushing it. Mm. Um, this is a good point. I don't know. Yeah. You can ask another company to do that, but you're just not quite sure if they've got what they need to oh, really that's deliver. That's a great point. Hummel has it. It's Hummel true. has it. Yeah. It's true. And Hummel's Hummel, a good Hummel look. Hummel's proven. A, yep. yeah, and Hummel's like quality Hummel. gear. Like, it's really every time I've ever like gotten my hands on that, it's been good stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these other can ones. We, uh, yeah. Can we Maybe just pause here for a second? Colin is like, I'm going to buy Tranmere and then yep. I'm going to turn around immediately and say, no, we're not going to accept a sponsorship from you. I'm going Correct. to pay you to sponsor us. Correct. Uh, not a great start to uh, financially. <laughs> Look, this scenario only happens <laughs> when I'm like, uh, I've won the power, the multi-billion dollar Powerball. And I'm instead of choosing to buy a soccer club, that uh, costs, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm choosing to buy Tranmere, which costs, I don't know, a million or maybe two. Yeah, a lot because, of debt, because, though. Got to assume all the debt. That's the problem. Because, because I'm already, <laughs> uh, you know, not viewing this purchase as a uh, sound financial decision. So, I, I think a lot of sports sponsorships split up the shoes separate from the apparel. Oh, for sure. Uh and there are a lot of soccer brands that really more focus only on the shoes, I think. Uh, if we were just going to go for boots, what what brands are we looking at there? Ooh, uh, Kelmy. Do they yeah. still make boots? That was Kelmy. that was a fresh one back in the, in the yeah. era. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about boots anymore. Yeah. Pumas. Yeah. I, I, I always like the Pumas. I don't get Eurosport Lotto, maybe in Lotto. the I don't get Eurosport, yeah. Eurosport in the mail anymore, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, there's a Patrick's. Can we get a Patrick boot? In high school, <laughs> I had some all-white Val Sports. Some miter, mm. some miter boots. Can Ooh, we get some of those? Miter. Mitre or whatever. Those are definitely my are. my first uh, my first pair of boots were miter. Those are my first. <laughs> my, that and uh, miter shin guards. I think I was I was mitered up from the feet up. <laughs> My first pair of shin guards, I don't know if everyone, if this is what everyone's first pair of shin guards were, but they were like a, I know a, exactly one, a one piece yeah. of shin guard that had basically like the shin guard kind of tucked in uh, the mm -hmm. front. It had a mm -hmm. little a little thing that you would Stirrup. loop around your Stirrup. foot. 
stirrup. Yep. And then also the back was just a single mm -hmm. piece of cloth. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, those were really not fresh. Mm. <laughs> Every there, there's a certain guy who like I feel like you play against in rec soccer and you expect him to take his socks off and him have those on underneath. I'm just like yeah, you stay away from that guy. Yeah, that guy <laughs> just plays outside back and just thumps everyone in the shins. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, all right, let's get let's all get some matching kappa pants. Call it a day. Love it. I'm in. All right. Next email is from Pedro. Um, no geography talk, which is unfortunate, but he's been out doing some hiking. Um, but, you know, what he really wants to talk about, we've kind of buried the lead under a pile of gravy on this podcast, but is uh, <laughs> the the passing of, you know, one of the greats of all time, Diego Maradona, uh, died this week of, I believe, heart failure or heart attack, mm -hmm. uh, age just 60. Uh, so not mm -hmm. not that old, but, you know, lived a, lived a hard life. Um, and Pedro wants to talk about, you know, the, the classic discussion, uh, Maradona versus Pele. He says that uh, two years ago when he was in high school, I wrote a paper that was 100% in favor of Pele in this discussion. Uh, but now that I've learned more about the world, i.e. Brazilian and Argentinian politics, and watched them play a couple times on video, I've changed my mind. The biggest argument people say when why Pele is the greatest is that he won three World Cups and Maradona only won one. Uh, but Bill Russell won 11 NBA titles and he is not the greatest of all time. I will fight you on that. I'm a big Bill Russell fan just for the sake of fighting people in these dumb arguments. Uh, <laughs> but um, Palmer, do you want to weigh in on, on Maradona versus Pele? I mean, I think that... So we watched uh, two like when we did our rewatches at the beginning yep. of uh, quarantine and, and uh, when everything was shut down and there were no sports, we watched, uh, I think it was Pele's last uh, World Cup final. Um, and we also watched, it was not a final, but it was Maradona Italy, I think it was against Italy. Um, and it, if you listen to those pods, which I don't suggest you do, but I think that we... Uh, <laughs> I think that we kind of came to an agreement that just the the pure dominance of Maradona, like the, the whole game plan was to pester Maradona, foul Maradona, uh, and just not allow him to do anything in the game, and yet he was still able to uh, impact the game so much so that, you know, it was very clear that he was the best player on the field. And so the more I think, I think uh, the, the common answer is Pele because of the World Cups and because of, um, you know, I think he was just kind of vaulted onto the uh, world stage early in his career. Um, but in terms of just pure skill, uh, ability to kind of change a game. Um, I'm giving this to Maradona and I really, I don't even know if this is a close argument to be honest with you. So. Wow. Not even close. He says, Ooh. Dan, like Jordan uh, and Russell. Yeah. Here's the thing for me is that, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, you have to be careful about recency bias in arguments like this. Um, 
but I'm pretty sure that the game now is at a totally different level even than when Mar- Maradona was playing. For sure. Uh, and the correct answer to who is the greatest is neither Maradona or Pele. Um, <laughs> but if we had to choose between the two, I'm, I'll take Maradona also. Just his absolute ability, uh, the, exactly like Palmer saying, the way that the entire game, any game that he was in, was based. it was just his playground to, to go and do things. Um, but, you know, that's the same as Messi kind of now. And and the entire world of soccer is better and Messi's doing it now. Uh, so I really think the greatest of all time is Messi. I read... I agree, uh, I agree with I everything saw, you Dan said. I saw... Sorry, Colin. I saw a stat on Twitter. And so obviously it's true. But it said something like um, in the... Whatever the 1980 World Cup or whatever the World Cup was in Mexico. They were... Uh, he... He uh, absorbed three percent of all of the fouls committed in that World Cup, which <laughs> just one person was was fouled three percent out of all of the fouls. Like oh. that just and he shows still you had, like all the defining moments in that World Cup. He still, yes, was his still him scoring goals? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, com- yeah. I I completely agree with with it. You both of you have said the one layer I'll add on to Maradona's greatness is I got yesterday from talking to my brother-in-law who's Italian. And he said, you know, all my friends back in Italy are are broken up about this. Like he has, and he's like, people from Naples literally are crying. Like he said, the news came across on, you know, on TV and the announcer or the uh, broadcasters were crying on it. Italian television. This man is Argentinian, right? Mm-hmm. He played in Naples and he went there to Napoli because... He said, okay, you guys are not Juve. You, you're not Milan. You're the poor club. I want to go play for that club. And that means so much to those people to have him like represent them, whatever. This guy is like a God and a savior. And like that, I think that um, international or global ability, um, maybe it's a different era of like global superstardom um, than you would get now. Uh, but it still transcends anything that, Pelé was able to do like Pelé is a soccer legend, but he's a Brazilian legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Argent or Maradona is was the first or is the first of those guys to be that way on on kind of like this transcontinental, transatlantic yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah global that, scale. That kind of gets into what I was going to say, which is like the cult of Maradona, and I don't mean cult in yeah. a bad way necessarily, but just the the legend that surrounds him is so much greater than than really almost any other player ever. Um, just because of his personality, kind of the way he did things, um, obviously his playing style as well. I mean, it's not to take away anything about how good of a player he was, because he was obviously incredible. But, you know, I think, like, we've kind of established that trying to compare players across generations, even trying to compare, like, Messi and Ronaldo now and say who's better, is it's kind of a mm. fool's errand, right? And trying to do Pele and... Maradona is even harder and even more of a fool's errand and good for bar discussions or pod discussions, but, but really impossible. But if you think about like players with the greatest impact on the game, I think, you know, it's a slightly different question, but you know, Maradona certainly just a a huge impact on the game, just a huge legend of the game. The way other players talk about him, I think is pretty universal uh, acclaim and, and just in like a way that, I don't really think any other player gets talked about. Um, and so you certainly have to like take that into consideration. But does that mean he was a quote unquote better player than Pele or better than 
whoever you want to put in there. Like, I, I mean, that's just every individual's decision, I think. Yeah. There was something, I, I, there's something like mesmerizing about Maradona. It, you know, there was, uh, there's a great HBO documentary about uh, Maradona, which I suggest you watch. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it was on HBO. So find it and watch it. Um, and it was about his time at, at, Na- uh, at Napoli. And uh, there's like a two minute section of just Maradona warming up for the game. And you oh, yeah. can't I saw this take this week. your eyes off of it. You just can't, just the way he moves, like it, it, there's, it's just, it's poetic. It is, uh, it's mesmerizing. Like I can't think of anything about Pele that even, even if you think about like Messi or Ronaldo, like there's nothing mesmerizing about them in pregame. You know, you're not there to just watch uh, Messi or Ronaldo just warm up, right? Because they're not really doing that. It's like it's like uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting home runs uh, in batting practice, right? Like people were going and or packing like, the stadium uh, for batting practice. LeBron or, James in a dunk line or something like that. Or or Steph Curry in his warm up, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The weird full yeah. court shots and stuff. There's just something mesmerizing and just kind of like drags you to just I want to watch this person and the things that he can do with the ball in warm-ups and it's it's yeah. incredible right and I don't think that 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 is a generational kind of talent and and something yeah. that uh, you know it, it's, it's beyond the game and I think yeah. Colin brings up a good point about like how global it, uh, his his influence was but like what kind of what both you and Mike are saying is like that it the way he is as a soccer player, I think especially to other s- soccer players or people who like really love soccer, even if they're maybe not like weren't great. Obviously I'm on this podcast, like the worst soccer player, but um, I, you know, I really love soccer and I watch a ton of it. And so then when you're that way, you watch Maradona and he's so different than everybody else. And you're like, wow, he's fucking, I watch a lot of soccer, but this guy is fucking phenomenal. And you talk to other soccer fans and it's, everyone has that same opinion, right? Every, no one has the opinion that Maradona is overrated, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's like, yeah, he's, he's fucking amazing if they've watched him at all. And, um, I have a, a friend from Argentina and he knows this about me, right? That I'm like a soccer nut. And he sent my kid, a, a Argentina kit. And in there, he also sent me, um, an Argentina shirt because, or I'm sorry, a, a Maradona shirt because he's just like, look, you're a soccer guy. I don't have to ask if you love Maradona. Of course you do. Like, right. of course yeah. you do, because this is something we all share that this guy is like, no one could, could have a bad opinion of, of watching him play soccer. I, there are two things. Um, first Pele, his like total goals record, which is always touted always counts like a bunch of friendlies that have no documentation and like don't you know like maybe they weren't actual even friendlies they were just scrimmages and stuff that always bugs me like get out of here Pele like (laughs) if you're the best in the world you're not trying to pad your stats with scrimmages so cut that out first of all Pele uh but second Maradona also and I didn't really realize this to the full extent until I was reading about it this week um but was also like very um I don't know necessarily if it was like politically I don't uh, like progressive or leftist or if he was really just like 
kind of never forgot his roots and that he came from the poor downtrodden like he would he stood up kind of like what Colin's saying like he wanted to go to Naples and not a big club um but he like apparently at some point was also quoted as saying like I consider myself a child of Palestine which is like like a pretty wild thing for a top level soccer player to kind of say um, he like really hated the United States because of uh, everything that we are, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fair <laughs> enough, right? Like I'm not trying to be anti-American or something, but like the the man like had devils, had, you know, was not maybe the greatest, like the nicest or whatever, like struggled with addiction, all of these things. But like he was also had the things that he cared about and was principled in a way that I also, I think, really respect. Like, um you know, he wasn't like, I don't know, Pele just seems like he sits around and takes every opportunity to have an interview about how he, in fact, is the greatest and not Maradona. And Maradona, like, mostly was not doing that. Like, he was doing other things, uh, which yeah. was sometimes coaching or, like, doing weird stuff. But, like, yeah. like he didn't actually care that much about this argument, I don't think. Or flipping uh, off fans just, from like, the from the top tier in a in a World Cup. <laughs> because he's, well, I mean, a because he struggled with addiction, but b because and he, was he passionate. cared, right? Yeah, like, exactly. He was so yeah. passionate. Like yeah. he loved Argentina, right? Yeah. Like, and I don't. I'm, yeah, I've never really known if I liked him or not, but like just that you know, reading about him and watching some of these clips and stuff this week, like. I, like I really respect it. I, yeah. I respect the, the man a lot yeah. more than Pelé I thought. Pelé has really yeah, sure. leaned hard into the commercialization of his image, and Maradona certainly more the other way of being like, I just I am who I am, and and mm. you know either that sells shirts or it doesn't. Whatever, who gives a fuck? So, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Man, interesting. Uh, good topic of conversation. Thank you, Pedro. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, certainly a man with, with, uh, a lot of, a lot of layers, a lot of different, different sides of him. Uh, that's all the emails we got soccer thread at gmail.com. Boom. 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 <laughs> Email us. We love it. We love it. Uh, let's talk about some of the soccer that happened this week. Um, let's stay in the United States. MLS cup playoffs are going on. Um, and so far, no games have been canceled. Although some team that's still in it has like Columbus. multiple players. Columbus has like got a lot of positives. Uh, so I'm not sure there's room in the schedule to start canceling playoff games or how they'll deal with that. But anyway, currently everything moving forward. Um, Sporting Kansas City, the number one seed in the West, took down San Jose, the eight seed. Uh, it took them penalties though. Uh, Chris Wondolowski coming into this game and scoring in injury time to take it into extra time. Um, I mean, Wando maybe not coming back next year. This is quite a statement about the way he's going out. He's still clutch. He can still score big goals from three yards out when it's not in the World Cup. Uh, so, Thank you, Dan. Great. It was honestly, it was such a Wando goal too. It was great if you watch the buildup. It's great movement to like sneak in behind and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, forever yeah. we will never forgive. This was a crazy game because uh, KC had scored what looked like the winner in I think stoppage time or like towards the end of the game, and then uh, Wando scored in like the ninetieth plus sixth or seventh minute. Uh, and then, I mean, goalies. Do you guys want to talk about the goalie masterclass in the penalty kick shootout? 
Oh my god, just incredible. This guy's this guy's like has like a seventy percent save rate as it is, which is like insane. Uh, it, three for three on on the on the penalties. Like, uh, yep. what is happening? What type of dark arts is this guy <laughs> dabbling in? Because this was insane. Tim Timelia, and they've been talking him up on the broadcast the whole time. Like, what a great penalty kick goalie he is. He's, you know, right. no one's ever been as good as him. And I was just, you know, prepared to be like, yeah, whatever. You know, maybe he'll save one. And they're big, big up him for saving one, which All is three. which is great. But he just fucking stonewalled. Never seen I mean, anything when, like it. It was wild. It when was do wild. we start talking about Tim Melia being used, uh, like use a roster spot like Tim Cruel was for the Netherlands and he just comes in and does penalties yeah. In a World Cup game that we get Don't hate penalties. That. Don't, Don't hate, hate that. that at all. Don't hate right? that at all. Nope. Should do it. I mean, I I think we should do it, basically. Like, who otherwise who's our second keeper? It's not it's someone who's that much better than this guy. Right. right. I mean, I don't know why we're not having this conversation. Like Yeah. Great. I'm having it what right the now. fuck are you thinking? Or I mean well, my, the wrong my, people, my Mike, other thought wrong immediately people. was I don't know how old Mealy is. He's not young. Um, he's like 33, but, I think. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. In a few years, his career will be over. And at that point, he can start um, giving up the secret because what the <laughs> fuck does he know that nobody else what, knows? Yeah, what is it? He's not more athletic than other keepers. Like, that's not why he's saving all these pens. He it's... somehow has figured out. Like, I don't know if it's he's studying something or it's yeah. as time they machine. run up. Time machine. Or, it's it's bizarre. Time, time machine, machine, I think, is but, definitely yeah, should, the answer to but that. But whatever is it, it is, he, he straight. He's a Champions League level goalkeeping coach, right? Like, just, yeah. If you had a, you'd just be like, "Hey, Thibaut Courtois, let me just tell you, this is the way to dive on on every penalty, left, the right, <laughs> right, left. You're save them all because so, I could save them all, and I'm Tim Malia, like whatever." <laughs> Does. Uh, is his correct? I mean, Liverpool has a throw-in coach, right? So he could just go and be like a penalty coach at a big club. But is it better for him really to start a consultancy and try to get money from everyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like maybe. Tim Malia, Tim Malia penalty coaching. I don't know. He's got to run the numbers like, to investor. figure out whether Listen, like Tim. he should be doing that or like writing a book or doing a something else. I don't know. Some kind of online thing. Or, you got to pay a thousand dollars, and you get a password, and you just type the password, in and it just says like, just niche. the answer. It's just one thing for every player. Every player in the world, what direction they go on penalties? Yeah. <laughs> Is it just a self fulfilling prophecy? Like he's got this reputation, which means every time a player steps up to take a penalty against them, they psych themselves out, and uh, the penalties are just that little bit worse. Uh, still gotta go the right way three out of three still gotta go the right way yeah i mean i I, dan i think that you're right there's definitely some sort of mental aspect to this right they know that because everyone was talking about it before and they know that this what this guy's record is and but i mean there is something it's like we'll get to the dallas uh portland game which went to penalties as well and it's just he, Malia looked so like crazy confident that he was going to make a save and you compare that to Steve Clark who looked like he forgot how to play goalkeeper for most of that <laughs> penalty mean, shootout to be fair to Steve Clark that is his style like, <laughs> that is but I mean doing like, that for years there was I I don't know I I mean I don't remember seeing anyone coaching Malia up 
prior to the shootout. Like it was just like he just went into the shootout and just made the right decisions or like studied correctly or whatever. But prior, to, like if you looked at Steve Clark, they had fucking uh, notes written on a water bottle for Steve Clark yeah. about every shooter, I assume, and what direction they go. It's to me, it's just like this is this. It's not like a numbers game. Like this, this is a thing that doesn't go down to statistics. I think like this is just a one v one. If you make the right decision, you know, or like you can do a little bit of reading here and there. Uh, it's just a gamble, and like. I think the notes is silly because it just gets you in your head where you could just like react. Yeah. Versus, and that's why Steve, I think Steve Clark looks so out of sorts, but Malia just like, there's, there's a swagger about him that is like, that is so impressive. It was insane. It was insane. I I do kind of wonder like uh, how much this can be coached per se and how much it is Mm. just pure instinct and reaction. And I don't know, Mm. it'd be interesting to, to interview uh Melia and just get his take on like what he does or if he's just like yeah he just you know the shooter goes up and I just see he's pointing his body this way and then I just go that way right and just nobody yeah. else can quite see that or react that quickly or wh- what I mean or I even know, if he has you know when yeah I played goalkeeper when I was younger and you know various coaches would be like you watch the plant foot because that always points or like the hips the can't hips, lie yeah. or right. whatever like I wonder if Tim even has those cues or if he just sees it right yeah. like could he even tell you yeah or is he just like i don't know i, I can tell where they're going what, it would I be great go though the, i go the way that they're going to shoot yeah. why doesn't everybody else do that it would be great if there was some <laughs> weird cue like if you look at his left nostril it'll always flare <laughs> if he's going right <laughs> <laughs> nobody else has picked amazing. that up but i figured uh, it out Got it, got it. Uh, so SKC through the one seed, uh, they will take on Minnesota, who cruised past uh, Colorado. Uh, Mike, anything to say about the Loons? No, I didn't watch this game. All right, <laughs> they are local uh, blackouts are, are real tough when you don't have cable. Uh, so that is one conference semifinal, SKC and Minnesota. The other one in the West is Dallas, who beat Portland in penalties, as Palmer said. Um. Palmer, you have anything to say about that game? Uh, I mean, other than that it was as uh, a Portland performance as, as we've gotten used to in this 2020 where they look to be pretty good most of the game uh, and then give up a late goal um, just so on brand, switch off in the 89th minute and give up a goal. So frustrating, but, you know. We, we got our COVID cup win, so move on to 2021. Sorry. We took hardware. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Tiki Taka, and one of the reasons is because that I think that you should use the ball to go and score goals because that's the point of the game. <laughs> um, but like when you have the ball, you should go try to score a goal. Um, but one of the things that's come out of this game or some of the analysis says that a lot Portland has been giving up late goals all season. Uh, from winning positions or or tying positions. And probably one of the reasons is that they have an inability to just put their foot on the ball, as the saying goes, and like pass it around and waste the clock out, um, which on principle I kind of hate, but uh, sure would have been a different season if they could have done it for a few minutes per game. Yeah, You mean you've uh, either got to be able to do that or you have to do what Marcelo Bielsa was, wants you to do, which is go score another goal. 
Yeah. If you can't yeah, score you score another right. goal, if you can't make it 2-0, then you're 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 screwed. Like right. either score or yeah. don't. Don't give it to the other team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so FC Dallas are through. That is the six seed to play the two seed Seattle, who beat LAFC pretty easily. Uh, Seattle's a two seed, but Colin, I think you like them more than uh, Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're in some ways a more complete team, a more experienced team. Um, Nico Ladero and Jordan Morris and those guys, I feel like, have experience in the MLS Cup playoffs and these one-off games and. Uh, yeah, I think they're to me they're the favorites not only in the West but um, you know across the whole whole bracket right now with the two I mean exactly talked about it yet but the two top teams in the East going down um, and then Columbus who's maybe the next you know the next highest seed um, also looking pretty suspect because of COVID to me uh, yeah the West looking suddenly much stronger and and Seattle being the, the top team. Uh, so in the East, uh, second seed, Toronto lost 1-0 to Nashville. Uh, Nashville, of course, had to come through Miami in the playing game. Uh, and now Nashville threw to the conference semifinals to take on Columbus. Uh, Mike, have you seen any of the Nashville? What's, like, how are they putting these wins together? Yeah, I mean, I, what, I, what I've seen from them uh, and what I read about this game is actually kind of contradictory. Like, they've been a pretty competent team, just, like, defend well, uh, and then, you know, score a goal or two here. But apparently they just totally play TFC off the pitch here. Um, so, you know, even though they only won one nothing, it seems like they could have easily won by two, three, four goals. Um, and it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've certainly seen expansion teams in MLS come in and spend a lot of money and then do really well. But Nashville, they seem to have done, I, I don't know. I mean, they were seven seeds, so they didn't exactly kill it this year, but... They seem to be clicking at the right time and they have kind of like a DC United type lineup with just a bunch of, you know, rejects and, you know, a couple of role players here and there. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, it's just, it's really working out for them. And kind of, as we've talked about with, with a lot of the top seeds going down in the East, it just feels really, really open. And they're going to be uh, in the conference finals because Columbus is probably going to have to forfeit. So. I mean, is that how it's going to work? I think that's very... It, MLS did say that if a team, you know, has too many positive tests, whatever that means, like they're not going to reschedule games. The team's just going to have to forfeit. Yeah, it's but, too late. But okay. I mean, the game's today, and they haven't called it off yet. So I feel like, I feel like it's going to go th- go forward. I mean, if you can play a football game without a quarterback, why can't you play a soccer <laughs> game without five players? Oh God! Twenty twenty. Jesus Christ. Colin, we got to talk about Philadelphia. Uh, if there was Let's just talk a about more vaccines. Philadelphia thing. <laughs> Philadelphia, great weekend a few, week, a few weeks ago. We celebrated them for an entire pod. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, Not just back good. to being Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. It's your typical Philadelphia playoffs right there. It just didn't show up. No excuse. Revs with a better team. I, don't, I think we lost our emailer who was the Revs fan, but uh, it's a good thing <laughs> we did because... The Revs fan won. The Revs fan won, yeah license plate um that was uh yeah not a good not a good day for the union nothing nothing to say about that game really except like i don't know bruce arena's revolution were good they pressed the union the union looked like shit we go home so frustrating to see bruce arena do well i hate it yeah i hate it so much me too i know it's so so weird to me how bruce arena is taking this heel turn from like i don't know 
pre Trinidad and Tobago debacle, he was like not universally hated. Certainly he was like, okay, he presided over one of the great periods of U S men's history in Oh two. And yeah, he was a very successful coach for the galaxy. Okay. Fine. And now I, yes, yeah, same way. I think everyone outside of Foxborough feels about uh, Bruce Arena now. So it's just, I mean, I mean, I think that the issue is, is that he is, his level of coaching is joystick players around the pitch. And with these uh, empty stadiums, that becomes really obvious that he's, he's literally kind of dictating what his players do. And there's very little like, uh, structure within, or at least lack of structure for players Freedom, to yeah. play. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, it feels like, I think our frustration is it feels like the game should be beyond that, but his level is, I guess, still successful, right? I mean, I and, mean, for me, that's, it's it's more just like his personality that grates me. That he, yeah. I mean, all all coaches at the top level, I think, are psychopaths, for lack of a better word. <laughs> And just have a huge <laughs> ego. But he just feels like for someone who's accomplished, you know, a, a lot in the game, at least in the U.S., but in the global standpoint, like not that much. Uh, he seems to have this outsized ego. And like, you know, he's had these interviews in the, you know, over the past few years where he's basically said he has nothing to learn from other managers. He's basically said like, oh, the current crop of U.S. players aren't better than players in the past, just like things that just feel like they're said only to provoke people. And it's the just, manager version of Alexi Lalas. Yeah. He's mm. just a yeah, piece of shit. He did. He had, he had comments <laughs> about how he thought dual nationals weren't real Americans or something. Yeah, at one point. Yeah. And it was oh, like that was the beginning Bruce. of the end for him. Yeah. 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 Wolf. Um, yeah. He, he does think that he's a big fish. He, I think he doesn't realize how small his pond is and it's embarrassing for him. Uh, uh, Orlando also threw so we've got Sporting Kansas City Minnesota FC Dallas Seattle Columbus Nashville New England Orlando left in this Palmer your team's out so as a neutral now who are you who are you pulling for in that group of eight oh I gotta go for the loons come on you loons I like that choice yeah lovely Um, Mike you're a loons fan so I don't think we can call you a neutral um (laughs) Do you have any secondary teams in this? Anyone you're kind of interested in? Uh, I'd, I'd like to see FC Dallas do well. I mean, I, as you said, Dan, I'd prefer Minnesota to win this. But um, I don't know. FC Dallas, a lot of young Americans. They had to deal with, you know, COVID stuff in the beginning of the season. I don't know. That'd be a fun story. Colin? Uh, as I like to refer to them, the Purple Badgers of Orlando. <laughs> okay. There it is. Up, up the Chris Mueller's. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll take Nashville. I don't see any reason that they're hateable, which is enough of a reason to throw my weight behind them. Uh, so there we are. We've got uh, one person for each bracket. Hey, this sets up nicely. Love it. Beautiful. Uh, over in Europe, Champions League, speaking of uh, young Americans, uh, Champions League, we had the eighth player playing a Champions League uh, knockout game this week. Uh, this week, that was Chris uh, Richards. Micah Ri- Chris Richards. <laughs> Micah Richards. Micah Richards. Micah, oh, I did see a Micah Richards uh, clip this week. Yeah, so that's not too. totally yeah, out of the book. I did too. Yeah, uh, Chris Richards. 
uh, played center back f- or maybe left back. He played I don't know, defender for Bayern outside, Munich. Yeah. Um, making him the eighth U.S. men's national team player in this version of the Champions League. That is a record. Uh, Horvath is the oldest at 25. The second oldest is uh, CP to God. The six rest of these guys, the six rest of these guys <laughs> are uh, all younger than 22. Um, wow, wow, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Insane. I just Trout, put, I just put this Trout. in there for optimism. I just put this in the in the notes for optimism. Just it's great. Just make you feel good. Something good about this year. I love it. Mike, is this a golden generation? Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna say no, at least right now. Uh, if we look back in you know three to five years and we don't have, you know, a similar level of players coming through, uh, then then we can say maybe it is. But I'm just gonna, you know, turn the optimism on full tilt here and just say this is the new normal. And you know, we're just gonna start seeing young Americans playing at Champions League clubs uh, for the rest of our days. And we'll, you know, sometimes we'll have, you know, eight eight guys under 25 playing at Champions League clubs. Sometimes we'll only have six. Sometimes we'll have 12. Um, but I think, you know, we're just seeing the fruits of, of you know investment in youths and the fact that there's a lot of Americans in the world. We're a really big country and, you know, six or eight guys out of 300 million is, is a very small percentage. So yeah, get, get Keevan on this pod so we can give him a solid apology, solid apology for, uh, for Klinsman and all this Klinsman slander. <laughs> um, the, I think the Micah Richards, uh, clip that we're all referring to is Micah Richards saying that because of all these young Americans, uh, he said that the U.S. could win a World Cup within the next couple um, turns or whatever, um, yeah. or cycles, uh, which promptly got a huge round of uh, uproarious laughter uh, from both Mike Richards and Jamie Carragher. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, to Mike's point, like, this is... Whose who's England team famously just yeah, is so right. good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, but to Mike's point, like we got a lot of great talent. They're playing at really, really big clubs, seeing big, uh, big minutes, which is exactly what we've been talking about for the last four years on this pod. Even like, what do we, what do we see for success? What do we want from these players that are going to places like Chelsea and Juventus, and uh, you know that that's going to like um, mean success for them on the pitch. Uh, for us uh, in the national team. So this is huge. This is huge. I mean, Dest scoring a goal um, this weekend or uh, this week for Barcelona in the Champions League. Um, this is big. This yeah. is great. And I think also what's exciting is like, other than Horvath, these guys are all at really big clubs. And in the past, when the U.S. has had guys in the Champions League, it's like Sasha Kleschen at Anderlecht or Michael mm-hmm. Parkhurst that, you know, some club in... Denmark it's like all right cool that's good but nobody's kidding ourselves and being like oh Sasha Kleschen is now like an elite elite player because he's playing for a small club in the Champions League but all of these guys uh, except for Horvath are all really young and playing at you know super clubs and you could see them playing at those clubs for the next 10 years and I think that's what's really exciting and that's what makes it a golden generation let's see uh, last topic, Premier League this week. Um, 
I don't think we'll talk too much about specifics, but the the item that we wanted to hit on was uh, Klopp. Uh, oh, Liverpool drew 1-1 with Brighton. They lost to Atalanta in the midweek in the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool not looking great. They've got injuries, I think. like It's a little tough at Liverpool right now. Um, but Palmer, I know you've got opinions about Klopp and his post-game interview. Uh, I mean, other than the fact that he's like getting to be very Mourinho-esque in his kind of hate so of give the context of the well so all right so they draw 1-1 they play uh 12:30 p.m. kickoff um after pl- on a saturday after playing on a wednesday champions league game midweek um and his i guess his complaint is that that turnaround is really bad it's dangerous for players because they don't have enough uh whatever uh, recuperation time um, and he is for some reason lashing out at the broadcast, um, media saying that they're the ones that are scheduling these games for 1230. Um, and, and the reporter to his, I think credit was like, well, I mean, I don't make the schedule. Uh, and Klopp is saying that like the broadcast team does and, they could they could decide to broadcast games at three thirty rather than twelve thirty. I don't really know what the three hours of extra yeah, time the on the same yeah. day is. Like he wants three hours more. Like that's gonna... yeah. Like what is that going to do? Um, Solves so, all the knee problems. I, mean, I can so I can understand Klopp's frustration, and it's always been this fixture congestion in Premier League. It's always been this right. And I can understand this year, especially like those games are going to be even tighter now because of COVID. Um, But I also like, why aren't they changing? Why don't we have more subs allowed? I like the three subs like that needs to, yeah, but that it needs to change. Right. Like I Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's an answer to it and I would love to hear it. And I just think it's silly uh, I think that you could have five subs a game and have that happen throughout the 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 rest of like just change the rule and everyone's like, oh well, if you change the rule, then why don't you have eleven subs? And, but that's not like, come on, like have a meaningful discussion about this. Yeah. Fixture congestion is a real thing. It's always been a real thing for a very long time. Five subs is not that big of a deal, I don't think. Um. And it it saves legs. Like I get it. I understand the issue. Um, so, so here I'll, I'll provide some some facts for Klopp's arguments. Although I agree with you, Klopp is just joyless Mourinho esque human <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but uh, the first one is the fact of why don't they have five subs? They took mm-hmm. a vote. It, it, you know, each team gets one vote. They need fourteen votes to pass the five subs. That's like whatever the Premier League you know, bylaws, you need 14 votes. They didn't get the 14 votes. I think they got 11 or 12. The small clubs voting against five subs because the argument is that that favors big clubs because they have more squad depth, right? They can they can afford to have 23 guys who are first-team quality, whereas Sheffield United can't afford 23 guys that are first-team quality. So um, that's why Fair. Klopp hit out at Chris Wilder, I think. I think that's why Klopp yeah. was hitting out at Chris Wilder in this interview because he okay. voted against it or like led some people to vote against it, argued against it. Uh, the other one is the point about the scheduling. So the, the way that works is that the Premier League sets a 
bunch of rules for the broadcasters about which clubs they can pick for for which times. And then the broadcasters just pick the ones that they think will generate revenue at those times. Mm-hmm. You know, they optimize their schedule for viewers. Um, and the broadcasters are doing like, yeah, we're just following the rules that the, you guys set for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not setting our schedule to help or hurt certain clubs. Like, we don't give a shit. We are here to get viewers. Uh, you should like that because viewers mean money, means your league thrives, etc. You should be pro fans. Mm-hmm. Um and we're just following the the rules you set. If you don't like those rules, you need to talk to, you know, your ownership and the other owners to set different rules for us to pick different to have, you know, if you played on Wednesday, you can't be available for selection at twelve thirty if that's right. a rule yeah. you need, right? So that's why the broadcaster is saying like you're barking up the wrong tree here. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which well, I it, totally agree with, by the way. I like do too. Yeah. A, you are barking up the wrong tree and be 1230 versus 330 give me a fucking break like, yeah. if you, like don't say 1230 is a big deal like if you want to play on sunday say i want to play on sunday like that yeah, exactly. that i yeah. totally agree 24 hours makes complete sense but like this fucking shit about like you can't have this specific slot like yeah get the fuck well, out of here and i mean the, the other thing is that cop unlike Mourinho, he very rarely blames his players and they had a tough result they gave away a penalty in stoppage time, which was a VAR given penalty, but was the right call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had, you know, a couple calls. Oh, yeah, that first question. Yeah. They had a couple calls, a uh, couple goals called back because of VAR uh, offsides. One was like pretty clearly offsides. One was very tight. You know, we won't get into that, but like he was just salty and he was looking for something to blame. And this is like mm-hmm. his go to blame thing. And I think, like, yep. you know, do I think all things being equal, like, if you play on Wednesday in the Champions League, should you have the early game on Saturday? Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. But again, like, don't yell at this broadcaster guy who is not the one who's choosing the games. And like, just go talk to your, go talk to your CEO or whatever and say like, hey, we Mm. need to fix this. And you know what? Like, there probably have to be some horse trading. Sheffield United isn't just going to make things easier for Liverpool just because, you know, they're good people. They're going to want some rule that benefits them. And so, you know, I realize that Klopp is not the horse trader in chief, but like he needs to figure out, you know, if this is really that important, like tell your CEO to freaking make it happen and it will probably happen. There are a lot of English team or a lot of Premier League teams that play on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the Champions League. But then there are also teams that play on Thursdays in the Europa League. And I assume that the rule for those Thursday clubs is that they cannot play on Saturday. They have to play on Sunday, right? Right. Which means that like Wednesday should be able to play on Saturday. Like it's, it's hard to see how you can say that anyone that plays midweek has to play on Sunday because then you're actually penalizing the Europa league clubs uh, because they don't get as long a rest. Right. Well, then you can put people on Monday. So, you know, sometimes they'll put them on Monday, but then your teams will be like, we don't like playing on Monday. Monday is the worst time. Everyone, you know, in the U.S., we love Monday Night Football. They hate it. So, like, you know, there's no right answer, right? So, yeah. So, why can't Klopp? The Klopp that we love is the Klopp that goes into this post game interview and is like, "Well, it's just soccer. It's a game. We're so lucky to get to do this. Uh, sometimes the calls go against you. Like, yeah. Why is he actually so salty? I don't know. He and answered the struggling. first question that way, though. He did say he and the first one. He was asked about the VAR, and he said, oh, you know, whatever. He said, hey, sometimes the calls go against you, blah, blah, blah. And then this broadcaster followed it up with, 
even some of the Brighton players were telling us they didn't think it was a penalty. What do you think about that? <laughs> and then Klopp was like, look, man, I just told you that I, I agreed with the decision. And if the ref makes the decision, he makes the decision, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, now you're asking me this. And then it snowballed from there. So I also think it's a little <laughs> bit of poking the bear. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's definitely he. Yeah, I mean, Colin, to your to your point, like the you can be mad at the broadcaster or at the guy asking the questions, especially if the questions get to be ridiculous. And that was, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just definitely poking the bear, and you're definitely looking to get his the the guy's job is to get a soundbite, right? And so yeah, he's going yeah. to do his level best to get a soundbite. And I think the the best soundbite from this is uh, the the guy asked about Milner picking up a knock, like oh, a yeah. hamstring. This is and, the, and Klopp's response was, yeah, hamstring, congratulations. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> what are you talking? And then he, it seemed like he was confused yeah, for a second. There. Like, good job, you knew that Milner had a, a hamstring. And then the guy was like, uh, what? And then it seemed like he blamed uh like Klopp was blaming the guy for Milner's hamstring and it just it oh it was such a bad interview and... I mean but like this is the genius of these managers in some ways they spent all this time not talking about Liverpool not winning this game right and that's really what Klopp wants like that's what most of these managers want to do they want to deflect yeah, away from Mourinho you know, their team baby. dropping points yeah Klopp yeah. just does it yep. in his silly yep. way Mourinho does it in his silly way Mourinho yeah. Jr. There you go. Um, that's all we had on the run order. None of the other Premier League was particularly interesting. Uh, so we should leave it at that. Uh, no idea what West Ham did. That, so, if George, if you're still listening, sorry. <laughs> Another week, no West Ham chat. Can you imagine? What are we doing? <laughs> all right. Uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. told me that last week okay fine investment in youth very nice um so are we just going to talk about diego maradona and the pedro email and the email yeah the pedro email yep okay okay sounds good we got a lot of content hey everybody sorry that's okay. I probably needed a longer pause there. Anyway disrespectful. Disrespectful. <clears throat> I need to give Cliff a little, I'm gonna, a little pause. I'm interrupting people before we even start. <laughs> Next level. I'm recording. Where, check, check. I'm recording mm, from, levels. from the cave. Check, 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 check,
I can't wait till we're all in our yeah. You know what? Fuck this. Studio I situations. I don't want to. Mike's gonna I make can't. a studio. I've got a studio. Do some studio plans. Studio light plans in the works. Colin, we're making are you a gonna move. Be, are you gonna be podcasting from the shed throughout the winter? Yeah, I did last winter, honestly. So do you have a space heater or do you just uh you just put on a lot of layers? No, I have a space heater. <laughs> I have a space heater like on a smart smart switch so I can turn it on before I even get in the shed. No way. I am all about the smart switches. I love a dumb switch. Alright, snitches. I'm doing a smart switch and uh <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was good content. And good. I'm gonna be really backlit now, but fuck your fuck your video for this better audio. Hopefully, ouch! I still Probably got the, look like the outline of your hair, which is really top tits. Yeah, good. Like SpongeBob. Can we just ask you questions as if you're an anonymous interviewee? Yeah, now you yeah. got a gurgle. Can you? Yeah, can a, le- you uh, a leak in the Liverpool uh, back room. Yeah, let me tell you about all of the voter fraud I saw. <laughs> How many times did you vote, sir? Uh, All the voter fraud for the 2020 blonde door that wasn't given out. <laughs> Please, as long as you disguise my voice, I will tell you how many times I voted. Uh, Mike, tell me about your podcast studio plans. Uh, we have a a third bedroom, which is more of a half bedroom that will be my office until uh mm. until i go back to work and it will Better. also be the the podcast studio it's in the basement what are those what are those acoustics like i mean i'm hoping they're good because that's where i'm going to be recording okay might take some work yeah yeah yep. gotta fill it gotta <clears throat> fill it that's that's the issue with the current studio is that uh, it's, right. it's I'm, pretty I'm, empty i'm not throwing away any uh, egg cartons anymore i'm saving all of them so I can staple them up. <laughs> Good idea. Maybe I should propose that to move. to Jill. I think that might be the the decorating yeah. advice we need, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Wives love uh, stapled egg cartons. That's proven, pr- proven fact. Proven fact. You maybe Palmer. Palmer, maybe you can um, get Seba to do it with you, and then call it like a Seba art project. Oh, where, this where is Joey's got to leave it up forever. It's Seba. It's Seba did it. <clears throat> he wanted us yeah. to do it. That's you can like color one of them and then just call it a day. If he comes I over and couldn't... it's gone, he's going to be so sad. I mean, but here's the thing. By the time Seba comes over, uh, he'll be 25. I will be, I will be, uh, <laughs> I will be potting in the B, in the BPS. So that's true. That's, that's true. true. Won't have that's to, true. won't have to worry about a studio. I could not believe that. Uh, Seba let me throw away a egg carton this morning. Actually, <laughs> he hoards them usually. <laughs> I did it right in front of him too, right in his face. Wow, what a power play! Yeah. What a power wow. play! Exactly. That is Oedipus. Kids, kids getting a little too big for his britches. Really ramping up the Oedipal uh, complex there. That's good. He was working on a pancake. That's why it was. Uh, uh, he had other things on his mind. Digging those blueberries out. Fuck your yes. carton. Fuck your carton. <laughs> uh, let's clap. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Mm.